This is episode number five of Fam Life with Phil Gomez on the Rising Man podcast. Our guest for today is Mr. Brian Christian Jenkins. Yo, yo, what's good, y'all? Phil Gomez here, back behind the mic again for another episode of Fam Life, where we talk all things relationship, lifestyle, and focused on amplifying the voices of people of color. Got a really special guest for today, my man, Brian Christian Jenkins, also known as the Truth Alchemist, and boy, does he have a story. Shortly after investing nearly 60K for an MBA in London, Brian came to the hard realization that he was seeking success that would never make him happy or be fulfilling. Brian has dedicated the last four years of his life to deconstructing his belief and value system and reconstructing himself on a foundation of his experienced and lived truth. He now lives his mission by teaching others how to live authentically, how to redesign their own truth, and how to have a bomb-ass relationship with themselves. He also shows couples how to be in a deeply connected union without losing themselves in the process. Brian's deepest truth is that every single person deserves to live in pleasure and bliss. And by alchemizing their truth, they'll know who they really are and live the life they desire. This is just such a dynamic conversation. I always love talking with Brian. One of the biggest things that we talk about is authenticity, what it actually means. It's a word that gets used so often and really just gets thrown around so much that it gets watered down. And Brian takes the time to define what authenticity means to himself and how he works with people to reclaim their authenticity. Another big thing that we talk about is the nice guy syndrome, being a people pleaser and how both of us are recovered people pleasers and how we navigated that journey for ourselves. Brian also talks about honor and uh, shares a really deep personal story, which I was so grateful that he shared. That and so much more. Let's get into it. Here is Brian Christian Jenkins. All right, Mr. Brian Christian Jenkins. How's it going, brother? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. Just glad to be here with you. Uh, I'm, I'm not now. I think I'm six hours in the future for you. Six hours in the future, man. The future is looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, it's bright and early over here in California. You're calling from Spain, yeah? Yeah, Grand Canary, Spain. So essentially, the day is half done for us. You know, I've been up for hours. Beautiful. Isn't it like siesta time or something for you all over there? It it is. So this is why I'm looking like to pull. I'm digging deep to pull some energy to be here with you, be full and present because uh, <laughs> this is my slow down time before I crank it back up. Yes, man. Well, I'm really, really grateful that you're here today. I was really looking forward to this conversation for a bit. So glad we're going to get to dive in. As I was telling you before we hit record, you are a man I could talk to forever. Uh, very well-rounded human being. But uh, let's start off, just introduce yourself a little bit. Let me know kind of the things that you're up to currently and yeah, what life looks like for Brian Jenkins. Oh man, all right. So you said a uh, compact this three hour uh, monologue into to three minutes. So, yeah, so what I'm up <laughs> to right now is, is as I said before, um, really being curious about life right now. All right. And, and I know it sounds very vague. And, but more specifically, that's like, you know, me as an individual, you know, as a man, as a husband, um, how I'm showing up in my marriage, it shows it's showing up in my, my business as well, you know, around the coaching practice, of, you know, where I can be more curious and more expansive in that space as well. And, and trusting that curiosity, to be honest with you, you know, which is, and it isn't always the easiest thing, especially when this is new, you know, like this new way of moving in and out of life and in and out of my emotions and not 
or trying to avoid the pitfalls and the traps of, 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 of the emotions that can pull me down, um, learn to trust that, you know, and actually getting comfortable in this new skin, right? So specifically around like the, the professional side, like this is, you know, um, this is a new space for me to be in, like when, when it works to speak around our relationships. Um, before is only doing men's work, let that evolve and transform. And, and when I was doing that, something just didn't feel quite complete. Uh, so open that space up to 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 coaching, you know, women as well. And then now uh, couples, which is definitely new, new territory. Look, see, you think, see, because I have like human babies, you think I'll have kids. That's my dog wanting my attention now. Like he wants it now. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and, and I think that's, I think, I think that's all I'll say about that for the curiosity side. So I think right now I'm just very curious, very hyper curious, very radically curious stage in my life right now about what's, what's possible for me in all fronts. That's incredible, man. Curiosity is definitely, um, you know, I call it a context or a way of being that I have intentionally tried to model more because it's not something that was very natural to me at first. Uh, you know, why, for, I guess for you, why is curiosity important or how have you been able to practice and lean into it a bit more? Oof, good question, bro. So for me, I'm typically someone uh, who's been the, the creator, the doer, let's, let's get, make some shit happen. Let's get it done. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's set the objective, set the target. We're going towards that and pretty relentlessly. And most often than not, I'd get there. Um, and that's not always been a bad thing. I think in a lot of ways, it's actually served me very, very well. However, if there's also another side of that coin, which is with being so focused on, on an objective, I missed a lot of the journey. Uh, I, I didn't let a lot of, I suppressed a lot of spontaneity. Um, and I was so focused on the end outcome of goals, especially as it pertained to me, that I was very resistant to what could have been possible for me if I had some curiosity about an emotion that came up, a feeling that came up, a, a calling or a pull in another direction, you know, anything like that. I ignored it. You know, I, I very aggressively and disrespectfully sometimes ignored that and said, no, the goal is here. We're going there. Um, and so allowing for curiosity to come through about what could be possible, not that it has to be. So not that I'm so curious, I'm going all directions, but what could be possible uh, has just been very, it's been a shift for me, you know, a shift on, on, on all levels, but more of allowing the more authentic me to come through. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's, that's the, the place it's been in my life. Can absolutely relate to that. I, I really like this idea of curiosity being journey focused as opposed to destination focused. And it doesn't mean that we have to throw out the destination, but it's just like this openness to the other possibilities. I think for me, what I realize is like when I am not curious, I am often focused on being right. So especially, you know, I'm, I guess I'm naturally going to relationship right now because you planted the seed uh, in working with couples. But I know for myself uh, with my wife, if I am not intentionally focused on being curious that I am either trying to uh, solve her problems or just wait for her to finish speaking so that I can then interject my solution, answer my rightness. Is that, is that something that you see commonly in working with relationships or couples rather? Yeah, I'll do you one better. That's exactly what's going on with me right now in my marriage. So yes, <laughs> if, yes, in relationship, let's just, let's just keep this 100 and say, this is what, what I experience, you know? 
And and I, I agree. And and right now, this is where that radical curiosity, when I'm using that that tool, comes in because uh, you know, again, just before we got on the call, literally an hour before, you know, had a very deep come to Jesus meeting with my converse uh, with my wife, a conversation with my wife, and remind myself to keep breathing and say what's behind the words, what's behind the ass, what's behind the emotion, because like you. I was approached these conversations very like strategically, very tactically, you know, okay, she said this, I'm going to bookmark this, I'm going to pull this back in later on because I want to be right. Even though I wasn't thinking I want to be right, really, I want to get to a resolution where she said I was right, why I don't have to hear what she's saying and why she doesn't understand what I'm saying. And yeah, that's great. Everyone wants to be heard, right? However, you know, with using the, the, the tool, I even said the oldest technology, there is a curiosity to say what is behind there that opens me up for more connection, like with my wife and with myself as well, because really, although, yes, I want to understand what's happening with her. What I've been more curious about is, well, Brian, why is that upsetting you? Why mm. are you resistant to hearing her? Why are you mm. shutting down when she's giving you criticism or why are you shutting down when you see that she's a bit, you know, emotional right now? What's happening with you? And that has been um, transforming for me and for her. So, yeah, definitely I can resonate with that a lot. Man, that you definitely opened the door for me as far as, you know, there's curiosity when it's relative to what our partner is saying, the curious about, you know, what's actually behind the words, curious about their concerns. Uh, but then looking back and the self-reflection of curiosity about why I'm having the reaction that I'm having to whatever it is they're saying, why am I getting defensive about this? Uh, why is this upsetting me? Why do I feel triggered or challenged or threatened by this? I think that is, you know, the, those two levels of curiosity really allow for growth in relationship. Mm, mm, yeah. And, 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 and you're going, going back to what you're saying about, you know, actually, so now, now the work. And this is what I do find like a lot of couples find the most challenging and, and rightfully so, because I also still find it challenging is being able to put your needs, your wants, your desires aside for a moment and then be able to just to listen with. I mean, just kind of take what's being mm -hmm. thrown at you. Take it for a second, put it to one side and listen to that person assimilate it the best you can understand how you can you know best serve their needs if that's even your position to do so and then bring yours to the table what happens is when we have these conversations we both want to get it out right which is fine both of you have the have the i don't even say it's a right um but i'd even say like the uh, the, the need to both to share those things but it's very rare that you're going to find that growth you're talking about when we're both trying to get it out there if i can't sit there and be with what you're saying actually understand it and try to see how that's affecting me i'm not growing i'm just kind of we're just kind of repeating the same kind of thing well i said you said i feel you feel and we're not really getting anywhere but separating just a little bit just a little bit to say okay right i'm going to take what you're saying to me i'm going to listen to this i'm going to understand what the, how this feels for me then we're going to take this to the next level and then we can do it like almost like a ladder climbing up but it's a very challenging um, place to be in to just to listen and not want to take it personal, you know? So, but beyond that is there's loads of growth. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think commonly that is a very difficult one as far as, especially when we're charged, if there's something that's really got us in our feelings, got, got me upset. Um, it, it's really tough for me to come to my wife from a listening place. And I know, 
for myself. You're, you're a man that's on a men's team. I know for me, being on a men's team has been incredibly helpful in those moments where I just, whether it's on a team call or just giving one of the, one of my buddies a call and just being, you know, just kind of letting airing it out a bit. It really helps me get from that charge place back to a, a place of listening and a place of being, you know, I guess I would call it emotionally sober. Uh, where in the past I would either pretend like there was no emotion there and then it would just lead to an outbreak at a certain point. Um, or I would just never be in the listening space because I would constantly be, be defending something. So yeah, having that third party, a good friend, uh, being able to discharge a little bit and then step back into, you know, into relationship and actually have a productive conversation has been like one of the most valuable tools for me. Yeah, Phil, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like you said, I've been the uh, I've, I've been part of the men's circle um, consistently for nearly four years now. And it's been a lifeline, a lifesaver. Because like you said, that's where I go and I spar emotionally sometimes with myself. I kind of hash out um, what, how the conversation went with my wife, what frustrates me. Um, but never in a way to to bash her or put blame, because, again, as you know, as soon as we try to put blame on our wives, our men will step up and say, hold on now, <laughs> take that back in. <laughs> Wait that a minute. Back in now. Yeah. <laughs> you can get, get off your chest. That's where it stops. But then we're going to take ownership of it. And it's just where I say it's like sparring with yourself in, in a lot of ways and knowing that when you're surrounded by men who are going to hold you to a higher standard of yourself, um, is also growth in that as well. So you kind of have to go into it knowing that they're not going to just, they'll listen. All right. That's, that's part of it. Just being to have that space to get it out. But the other part of it is, okay, so what are you going to do differently? You know, how can you go back in the ring with your wife, with a different set of ears, you know, with a bigger heart, with the open heart, uh, with more curiosity about what she's telling you, um, being able to grapple with your emotions in that ring with her, you know? So I definitely agree. It saved my life more uh, than, 50 times now, like in the men's workspace, like having that support system for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to switch gears here just a little bit because earlier you said a word and I know it's an important word to you and that's authenticity. So as I was telling you before we hit record, it's one of these words that I think the majority of men really resonate with. I'm sure many women do too, but there's something about being authentic. That's just, uh, I think it's, it's, equated to freedom in a way. And it's just really attractive to men. So it's also a word that gets used a lot. And I think there's a lot of assumptions about what it means. And because it's used so much, uh, people are like, I ain't going to be the one that asks, what, what does authenticity mean? I want to be that dude. So I'm going to start with the question, what does authenticity mean to you? And why is it such a cornerstone value for you? Why is it so important for you? Mm-hmm. Um. Authenticity to me is is giving yourself the the ability and permission to be you, um, which means to feel everything. And what I mean by be be you and feel everything, because I I think it's easy to focus on being authentic, especially like when we're talking about personal development or men's space. We say be authentic and and show like Mm -hmm. the softer side or show the emotional side or or show the messy side. Right. Equally as important is being able to allow yourself to be authentic in your joy and in your bliss. Because sometimes we have, there, there's something about that that feels like we haven't earned it, um, that we're not worthy of it yet. Or if I do it, I'm boasting, I'm bragging, I'm arrogant. And I think being able to be authentic and I just feel 
good right now. I feel happy right now. I feel in love right now. I feel someone's love so much like in right now, like actually being able to be in that is part of authenticity. So I think it's, again, it's being able to feel the full range of emotions and allow all of you to be expressed in each one of those emotions. I love the distinction of bringing joy and bliss into that. I think when the words like authenticity and and vulnerability come in vulnerability always makes me think of like being you know showing the sides of shame or hurt or embarrassment you know things of that nature where uh, and authenticity you know for me i often think of like standing in my either in my power or conviction or my uh you know my truth in that sense but this element of joy and bliss is essential. And I think a lot of men, myself included, are really missing the mark on that one. And it's like, how often do we take the time to celebrate ourselves, right? Just be, be in joy. Um, I guess, what do you think is, what do you think is difficult for men when it comes to being authentic, especially in the realm of joy and bliss? Oh man, I think it's still compared to being soft. I think it's still compared to being like almost taking it easy you know, so if I'm celebrating myself and I'm allowing myself to be experienced this, it's it's almost like I'm letting myself off the hook, right? Like because a real authentic, real go-getter man, like he never sleeps, right? Like you listen to those motivational videos. And, that, and I'll be honest, honest with you, I, I uh, used to get drunk on um, the motivational uh, speech is about, you know, you have to keep on pushing. If you live your purpose, you wait until you pass out tired and in your bed. And so that's not joy. That's not blissful. Like I have time for joy and bliss when I'm pushing myself to the edge and I'm giving all I got. So, you know, it's, I think it's also that one dimensional side of what it means to be a man on a mission and what it means to be a driven man or, 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 or walking that red road. And so I think we still don't uh, accept that part of authenticity, that that's very real part of us. And I think a real essential part of us that helps that path that we walk be more enjoyable, you know, be more, um, something we look forward to something we're willing to show, you know? So, I mean, there's so much more we can, we can, we can, we can, we can take this, but I think in a sense, in essence, I think that's the struggle for us is being able to allow that to come in and not think it takes away from our drive or our mission that we're on. Yeah. There's, I, I really, it really landed for me as far as to be manly is to be a hustler, right? To be manly is to be, is to be working constantly pursuing, constantly hunting. And the, at least that's the narrative, the cultural narrative You're in a different culture now, but I'm sure it's pretty similar over in Spain too. Um, but that cultural narrative of we should be constantly pursuing something. And I suppose it's like, if I am celebrating or I am blissful or I'm a joyous, uh, I'm probably not pursuing something at that moment. You know, I'm probably standing still. And if you're standing I, I still, let, let you're my dying. I'm, st- or I'm not only that, not only am I dying, but when I'm standing still and celebrating, my competition is still going. They're not resting. Mm-hmm. So it, I've, I've given them like the leg up, you know, it's like, eh, who's my competition? <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny. Who are they? That's like what always comes, comes up to my head, into my head. And, you know, I, I know for myself, I have, um, constantly been in the position that if I, 
if I am joyful, then I'm going to get soft. I probably didn't say it in those exact words, but at least that's the story that, that I've held in my head for a long time and still comes up. It's like, if I, if I start celebrating, I'm going to become complacent. And if I become complacent, I'm going to fall behind and that's going to lead to all these bad things. Mm-hmm. I, de- I definitely resonate with that a lot. And, and like you, that's something I'm still um, working on. And also one of my areas of curiosity right now of how can I let both things happen at the same time? Um, it's not one or the other. It doesn't have to be that I'm, I'm committed to my um, uh, my vision of myself. I'm committed to living my vision and living out my purpose, or I'm uh, allowing myself to be in joy and bliss. Those things can happen at the same exact time. And I think they actually should, you know, but it's actually being able to allow things to take both space. So for example, I can be really uh, driven as an initiated man after completing compass, you know, with you guys about a year ago. And at the same time, I can also leave room for, you know, I'm pretty frustrated and pretty have my head against the wall in my marriage at the same time. So just because my head's against the wall with my marriage right now, doesn't mean that I'm any less committed to my mission of living uh, a life as an initiated man. Right. But sometimes we have those things where it's one or the other. We, we were overly critical about what our, our path looks like. And so if it's not always feels focused, we're grounded, we're aligned, we're centered, then something must be wrong. I need to go back to the drawing board. And that leaves very little space for, again, for that enjoyment, that bliss, um, that comfort, that celebration to say, you know what? Fuck, man, let me just take a look back just for a second. I mean, I know we don't want to look too back too much in the, in the rear in the rear view mirror, but let's look back a little bit and say, I've come a long way. Like, this is really good stuff. I'm not there yet, but I've come a long way, you know? And so I think giving that space um, and being curious about what can come up from that has been, again, uh, it's been a needle mover for me because in that I've fallen uh, more in love with myself. And that's a kind of different conversation, but it, it's, it's been a, a key thing for me is being able to allow that to come through where it doesn't make me soft, doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me any less valuable, or any less committed to what I'm doing. It just means that this is also part of the experience. It's also part of what makes me. And as long as I'm trying to suppress that because I'm afraid of what people are going to think if I'm slowing down or if I'm not working, I'm never really going to be completely authentic. There's always going to be a piece of me missing. I'm always showing authenticity is not showing the driven side all the time. It's not showing the side that's always hustling. That's always getting shit done. No, authenticity is 360. Uh, it's the complete mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really like I know you brought in a snippet of it. I'm sure we'll get back to it. But that uh, the ability to love ourselves, I feel like that is true authenticity, or at least that's the outcome of it. Because if you can truly be yourself, then you can love yourself. If you can love yourself, then you can truly be yourself. And, you know, there's obviously authenticity is going to be specific to each person. Like I imagine a dude like David Goggins, like I don't think he's putting on a front, you know, I don't think he's trying to be hard because of some social narrative. I think, you know, I think for that man, and I don't know him, but you know, just based on his presence, his being like, I think for him, his authentic self is to push his body to the fucking limit and, uh, and just be hard, stay hard. You know, I think that is his, his, uh, authentic way of being, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think where it becomes problematic or inauthentic is like, when I feel feel like I am less of a man or I need to be doing more so I can be like David Goggins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, as, as you're saying that, that you're definitely right. Like there's, there's a, there's a temptation I have to want to really analyze the guy. I also like David Goggins as well. He actually, thanks to him, his, uh, his book, uh, he inspired me to really get myself into another 
degree, right? Another layer there. So without speaking mm-hmm. to him, I want to make some speculations and say that you're right in, in his drive. I think that's very authentic. I think it's very real. I don't think he's putting that on to try to sell books or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't follow him intently. However, what I would say is, is I'm just curious to know how, how often he is willing to celebrate himself. I remember in his book, he was saying like he constantly keeps himself in a state of discomfort, even though he has amassed a certain amount of, of money. I don't know how much that is, mm-hmm. but he still lives from him, you know, very bare bones. So he can still stay uncomfortable, keep himself on the edge, you know? So part of me wants to sit down and challenge and say, well, well, David, why, why is that? Why can't you actually be good? Why can't you actually be comfortable? Like take your ass to the spa sometime, like get your nails, get a, get a, a Manny Petty. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like I, I listened to the book, you, you know, you're, you ran that ultra, your, your baby toe fell off. You know what I mean? Like, can you, you know, actually pamper yourself? Like, why are you avoiding that? Like, I want to challenge that. So I agree with you. That aspect of what we see, I think that is definitely a, an authentic, um, authentically him. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to, to assume and say there's a, there's a piece that puzzle we're still not seeing though. Mm, mm, I like that. I'm willing to have him on the podcast, right? <laughs> David Goggins, where you at? <laughs> have your people call his people. I know you know everyone. So, <laughs> so I'm going to circle back to something else you said about authenticity. Um, sorry, authenticity. You said being a good citizen prevents us from living authentically. I'm curious, what, what did you mean by that? Man, it's, um, so you know, don't, don't confuse this with, you know, being a good person. I, I intentionally use the word citizen because there's a lot that comes from societal, uh, societal expectations. And society can also include religion, church, um, uh, government, school systems. And each one of those institutions that are a big part of our lives, especially when we are still under our parents' roofs, is always telling us what it looks like to be a good person, to be a good citizen. A good citizen doesn't make a lot of noise in public. They don't litter. They don't do all these things. And and for the most part, I can't argue with um, the value system that's been put in place by all these institutions. However, it's unfortunately, I see a lot of people who don't allow themselves to play outside that box. What else does it mean to be a good citizen apart from those measures? Or just because that person says that this is what a good person looks like, what a good citizen looks like, what else is true for me? And so we get stuck in this. And not only do we get stuck in this, we keep measuring ourselves to that. And if I don't fit in that, then I no longer am a good person. So I'm not going to do that. And that, that suppresses part of us. Like there's something else that wants to come through beyond that box, you know, like beyond that picture, like, you know, this, you have young kids, like, and be honest, Phil, how many times do you tell your kids, stay within the lines and they color? Or do you let them crawl, like draw outside the lines? You know what I mean? Like when we don't allow ourselves to draw ourselves outside the lines, we're not, it's, it's hard to be truly authentic. And I'm not going to say everyone needs to go outside of that framework. I'm not saying that. But I do feel that a lot of us limit ourselves what could be possible just beyond that edge, right? Of not trying to listen or not trying to fit into this mold of what society says, I need to look and be to be valued, to be a good person, to be considered a respectable member of society, my family, my family, my culture, my religion. And although those value systems do serve a purpose, I think on a deeper level beyond that is we hold a lot of ourselves back. And that's where I think a lot of our roots of frustration, anxiety, and depression, and, and all that stuff comes from. But it could be a different conversation. Mm. 
Mm, really, really well said. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking of the different spaces, you know, whether we call it, say, what is it to be, what's a good man mean to you? Or what is it to be a good father or a good person? I think um, one of the essential first steps is to establish or set your own standard, you know, and that's really what I'm hearing from what you're saying when it comes to um, being a good citizen and authenticity is that even if the values that are passed to us through religion or uh, media culture, um, even if those things, those are things we are aligned with uh, it's like, where are we, how do, how are we choosing these things? Are we choosing them because they have been pushed upon us or because I've been told that this is what I need to be, or am I actually choicefully picking them up and being like, these are the, these are the values practices that I've accumulated through my life and have deemed the important ones for being a good citizen. And that's how I'm going to model my interpretation of what it is to be a good citizen in this life. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I give um, two examples, uh, <clears throat> one quicker than the, than the other. And uh, one is, is working with a client, uh, a Spanish man who uh, converted to Islam for his wife. Now, long story short, they found themselves wanting to, to separate. And, you know, in work with him, he was having a really hard time negotiating the separation from his marriage and from the religion. Now, he's been a devout uh, Muslim for the whole duration of this marriage, mainly for her. He actually converted because of her, but he was very devout to the practices in that. Hmm. Now, in the separation, he was starting to feel a lot of rejection towards that, naturally so, because he connected the religion to his wife, thinking, fuck, I did this for you, and now we're not together, and I can't be, I'm not this person for you, blah, 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 blah. So now he's rejecting that. And I said, well, look, you don't have to really reject the entire you know, religion, unless of course you just don't resonate with it. He's like, no, no, there's parts that, that do still serve me. I said, well, I know it's a challenge. I'm not going to say I can pretend what it's like to be a Muslim, but from what I understand, it's, it's one of those religions that are quite uh, strict on, on their practices and, and, and quite uh, the value system that they have and what it means to follow the princes of, of, of Islam. I said, can you allow yourself to be a Muslim? How you see fit? I mean, do you have to tick all the boxes for you? Because really, who in this world is going to tell you you're not being a good Muslim before it was your wife. But apart from that, who is watching you telling you that you aren't being a good Muslim because it doesn't look like this. He's like, ah, yeah, you're right about that. Now, again, I'm not saying that's easy, especially when it comes from something so deeply um, ingrained and so deeply that that's, that's something that's something that comes part of us, especially in our family and especially in our culture, depending on where you live. Um, but being willing to go back to be curious about who you can be under that umbrella is where I think there's a lot more authenticity because if he, if he stayed there, pushed himself because I've committed to it and I'm going to do it hundred percent, even though something else in him says, something just doesn't feel right here. Like I, I, I get, you know, like, let's just say, 80% of this, like 80% of this is like vibes with me. It aligns with me, but that 20%, like it's really like eating me alive when I try to force myself in that, you know, but again, we get to decide mm -hmm. that, or we can say, I want to be part of this greater big community that is Islam. And so that I'm accepted into this. I'm willing to give up a part of me to fill the other 20% with this image that they're looking for. And I'm okay with that. That's also Okay, I, I can't say what's right or wrong for anyone. Uh, however, I do believe there's a lot more flexibility in there than we give ourselves credit for. Mm. 
Yeah. Where, who are the Muslim police? You know, (laughs) that's a, that's a really big one, but I mean, it's the same, you know, whether, whether it's like, we're, we're vegan. Can I call myself vegan? Or it's like, can I say I'm a committed man? You know, whatever it is, it's, it's this element of like, you know, I, I think it's the source of shame for a lot of guys or or for a lot of people not being able to accept love, truly accept love from others. Because it's like, well, if you really knew me or if you knew this part of me that you don't see, then you would know that I couldn't really own that I'm a good person. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, in this case, the Muslim police, it's kind of like, all right, well, where is the line where I can actually choose what I want to be? Um, and be fully in alignment with all that and own that I am that, you know, enter Muslim, good person, good man, committed man, whatever that may be. So I, I really, I'm going to think about the Muslim police a lot as the day goes <laughs> on today. <laughs> you know, you said something actually, you know, I feel, I really feel called to share and it's, it's actually, it'll, it'll definitely be a stretch, but I feel called to share. You said something about, you know, if you really knew me, you know, we know we've done similar exercise like this in men's workspace before. Now there's something I've shared in those spaces before that I, I've, I finally, after about 16 years, like resolve with someone. And essentially, long story short is, you know, uh, about 15, 16 years ago, I touched a female friend inappropriately while she was um, passed out in my car, right? And we've maintained our friendship uh, until now, you know, I've seen her grow, we I still go back with my wife, and we see her, I've seen her, you know, with her daughter, I've seen her, you know, and, and we our connection gets stronger as we go along. However, since that happened, now, even though that happened 16 years ago, we've had a, we've been friends for over 20 years. All right. Since high school, that part of me that did that 16 years ago has always been with me and going back to that value system of what is a good person what is a good citizen. I never allowed myself to be a good man. I never really fully accepted. I was a good man, a respectable man, a respectable person because I did that. And I hung that over my head for over a decade, nearly two decades, Mm. Because I couldn't give myself that room of I did something that didn't fit in this umbrella and something that is that something that happened as as a one time kind of thing and who I am as a person. And so I think going back now after looking at all that stuff, I can I got complete with myself on that. I was like, okay, you know, it happened. You know, uh, you know, I took a long time. Actually, I think probably only in the last maybe uh, two years or less that I started to really feel okay with it that it's something that happened that's not me but the part that didn't feel okay with it is that she didn't know and that we were Mm. still friends and then when she Mm. speaks highly of me when she speaks highly to other people it was like a dagger to my heart i was like but if you only knew like if Mm -hmm. you really knew and so a couple months ago i i shared that with her and that was hard Oof, it was hard um, there's a lot, of, a lot of fear that came around, like what's going to happen? Is she going to be pissed? Is she going to report me to the police? Is she going to reject me? Is she all these different things, you know? Mm-hmm. And long story short, the conversation went as well as it could. She was definitely surprised. She didn't expect it, um, but she was appreciative that I shared that with her. Now, for me, why did I need to do that? Because that secret was with me. No one, no one knew. It was just me and her in the car. No one knew about that, and no no one ever had to know. But within my fiber, my being, there's something about me being in her presence and her not knowing that, and her not being able to make a choice. Is if she want if she still wanted to be around me, still wanted to have a friendship with me, wasn't wasn't complete. Even though I was complete with myself, 
So once I got past that, that allowed more things to open up to actually to set me free in that, you know? And so it's just, it's very interesting. Like you said, that, that piece about if you really knew me. And so we choose that we choose to hold on to that. And we can, we have choice. We can confront it. Like I did. It took me 16 years to confront that, or we can literally let it die off and just say, oh, something happened in the past. That's not me anymore. Keep going forward. Or we can do like I did for 16 years and hold on to it and tell ourselves a story that's not true about who I really am. Yeah, man. Well, one, I want to thank you for sharing that story um, because, you know, whether it's uh, touching someone inappropriately, stealing, lying, whatever it is, you know, I think all of us are holding something that no one else knows and uh, we don't want anyone else to know. But being that we're we're shouldering that ourselves, it, it brings into question our our virtue, our uh, our goodness. Um so I think it's a very relatable story. And so you said it was hard talking, talking to her. And I guess, um, you know, you shared a little bit about what was difficult, but for you, I guess was the, was the hardest part, um, actually bringing it out. Was it uh, fear of the outcome? What, and then what was really like the tipping point of like, you know what? I have to share this, right? Because you you held it to the cuff for like 16 years. And yeah. I'm sure there, there was multiple times where you kind of felt that dagger where, you, where she was talking about you. But, you know, there was still a point where it's like, it was the tipping point where it's like, you know what, I'm going to do this. So what was that transition for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, to be honest with you, there was fear of the outcome, but there wasn't because I played like I do this a lot. I play worst case scenarios, right? Like I said, okay, worst case scenario, she freaking reports me because somehow there's still a, there's no statute of limitations. She can report me, and then I'm going to now be part of this this category, this database of like you know um, of, of of I don't know uh, abusers. I don't even know what title would be titled, right? Mm-hmm. But actually, I was okay with that. I was like, you know what? Hey, it happened. I did it. You know, I'm going to own it. I'm going to take responsibility for that. What I was really afraid of, and this is actually quite selfish, was I had finally gotten to a point where I was able to accept what I've done and I'm not that person. I was able to, it got, I got to a point where this, this self-love and be able to love myself, accept myself and not hold on, not hold my, my identity, my authenticity hostage because of what I did in the past. I was afraid of what if she did scream at me? What if she called me a horrible person? What if she called mm. me a rapist? What if she called me a molester? What if she called me all these things? Would that send me back to that, that limited mindset that I carried for 16 years or more? Would that send me back to, to ground zero? Would I be able to really hold my ground and let her be with every emotion that she deserves to express? Because there's I'm no one to say that she could and should. No, she deserves to, uh, to express anything she wants. Can I be with her emotion and still maintain the truth about myself? That was really, to be honest with you, the uh, this the scariest part. What came to the front? Why to boil up? Well, I think it's it's been coming to um, okay, going back to curiosity of what it means to really be authentic. And although authenticity in this particular case, I I have a really good idea of who I am. I, I don't know who everything who I am. There's still parts of me I don't I don't know yet, right? But something just didn't feel right. And I can't explain exactly what that was, but something didn't feel right about around that, that we were still have a friendship and a good friendship, not just like we talk every now and again, like we have a good friendship. We make it a point to see her when we go back home that didn't feel right, that she did not know. 
And mm-hmm. it just felt it, 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 it felt as if she had to have, have the, the option to, to do that. Now, now again, and I think the other part of that was, is because I think that was also holding um, a priest and me hostage still, even though I felt good here. If like, she doesn't know, like if we didn't speak, if we like, for example, if we never spoke like for the past, I don't know, 10 or 16 years, I probably would feel very less inclined to have that conversation. Like, okay, look, it happened. And you know, it's, it's nothing I can do mm-hmm. about it now kind of thing. But it's the fact that we do see each other. We do. She does want me to play an active role in, in her daughter's life. She does want me to be an active role in, in her family, everything that happens and vice versa. And, and so it just got to the point where it's like, I, I, I don't want to withhold that from her. She needs to be able to make the choice for herself. So I think that was the, the main thing. I don't, it sounds a bit vague, but that's the best way I could put it. <laughs> no, I think it's, I mean, the word that comes up to me is honor. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think that's vague at all. I think it, it's doing the right thing, even when you could probably get away with not, do, with not doing the right mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, and, and in this case, you know, there's a relationship involved. There's, um, there's community involved, it really sounds like. And yeah. having the, the ability to do the uncomfortable thing, even after years and uh, just do the honorable thing is, you know, I think that's, it's one of the most valuable things that we can do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for every man out there, every person out there, we're going to do shit. We're not proud of, you know, we're going to, there's going to be a time where we get to uh, that point in the road in our journey of life, where we're going to make uh, not the best decision. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're all human. We're all, you know, we all have our moments of just being a dumbass and just doing stuff that in the next, you know, day, week, months, years, we're going to look back and like, shit, if I could go back, I would do that differently. Um, So we're never going to be able to go back into time and do it differently. However, there is ways that there are ways that we can either remedy or get back into honor or learn from these situations. And I think making the most of of those things is what it is to be a good citizen kind of going back to that. Like being a good citizen isn't always being right. It isn't batting a thousand, right? Mm. It's, it's being as conscious about what we're doing as possible. And when we have our shortcomings, when we make our mistakes, when we do things that we're not proud of, we take the necessary actions in order to correct them or in order to make them right again. Yeah. Yeah. And Phil, just to kind of actually said something that, that, that came to me. Um, and, and I think the, 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 to, to put the, the bow on this is whatever her reaction was going to be, that was going to allow me to be okay because it was hers. It was her choice. Mm. Right. So there's, I mean, there's two, there was two extremes of the spectrum. Like she's going to report me to the police and things aren't going to change. Right. Mm-hmm. As of right now, things haven't changed. Right. As of right now, and I also let her know that if anything does change, that if you simmer with this and a week from now, a month from now, five years from now, you feel a certain kind of way, like we'll have that conversation, not a problem. But at least it's her choice. And so it's not for me to, to take. And so just by allowing that part, that part to take that added a layer of freedom for me, because we talked about this before. I think we, we, we actually started recording is authenticity is freedom. And for me, there's freedom in that. If her reaction was, Brian, fuck you, I hate you, you're a scum. Yeah, I, I can see definitely how you get that. I, I, I got that. But at least now I'm not holding on to that. Do you know, that's not mm-hmm. for me to hold on to. And there's a certain level of freedom that came with actually just letting it out there. So, yeah. Man, man, I really love that story. I'm really, really grateful that you shared it on here. 
So there's one more element of authenticity that I want to talk about. And it's probably because it's a little personal to me, but you know, this is my damn show. So I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, the one thing that always comes up for me when I hear uh, being authentic is the nice guy or people pleaser complex. Now, this is something that I've definitely had a history with, and I know a lot of men do. Curious if you've ever had that. Ah, you're such a jerk. I I would have never guessed it. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, you know, I guess um, there's not really a question here, but would love to rap about it because again, I know a lot of, this is the case for a lot of men. Um, But I, I have definitely found in my history that if I am being a people pleaser, then I am more committed to making other people feel comfortable than I am to being my true self. Now, is that similar, similar story for you in the past? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely more so in the past. And there's still, you know, uh, some residue, you know, in, in the present for sure. Um, but I mean, going back, I mean, everything, everything is connected. So, um, talking about people pleasing and, and, and really not being really authentic. Let's go back to the situation with this friend. You know, obviously there's attraction I had for her that I wasn't honest with, you know, for whatever reason, I wasn't honest with that. I didn't let that come to the surface. And so even though I never uh, let that out, there's still part of me that I was carrying that with me. And so when opportunity presented itself, I, I acted on that. Right. So that's how I one my way, how that can show up that people pleasing side. Another side of this is just overall, like in confrontation, like in relationships, Everything, everything from coworkers to expressing your ideas. Uh, I remember being, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a fraternity also in college as well. And so when things would come up between the brothers and kind of like just kind of shutting your mouth, even though there's something you want to see differently, you want to chime in on, but you don't want to rock the boat or you don't want the meeting to go another hour long. So you just kind of like go along with it. And I guess there's a time and place for everything. But at the end of the day, there's there's parts of me, lots of me that's thinking like, damn, like regardless of what the outcome could have been, why don't I just say the thing? Why didn't I just mm. do the thing? Because why? Going back to being wanting to be a good citizen, the good citizen in my fraternity, in my family, in the job of, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be the complicated guy, the difficult guy. I don't want to be the, the, the guy that always plays the devil's advocate, you know? So let me just kind of go along with it. And that was actually, um, it worked very well for me. And it was easy to be the nice guy and the people pleaser because it was highly rewarded because people liked me. I was easy going. I mean, I always, I always kept things easy you know even you know that i don't, I don't know if you're in the space but I mean, jay called me out one time i think very in the beginning of um getting into rising man and he mentioned um took that smile you're always smiling and that was my that, that was my nice guy like default like everything's good nothing to see here yeah feel great oh do i agree with that yes yeah, that plan's perfect even though like in my mind that plan sucks but i don't want to tell you <laughs> such because i want to hurt your feelings I don't want to tell you it sucks because uh, it may cause some conflict. You know what I mean? And look, there's a time and place to be diplomatic. However, I think in my case, I made it uh, a default. I made it a lifestyle. And and one, it wasn't serving to myself. That wasn't authenticity coming through. That's me just kind of, again, showing a mask. And two, it wasn't uh, allowing more curiosity and creativity to come up. Because had I just said what I felt in whatever the situation may be, something else magical could have, uh, could have been created. However, I was so focused on the, the, the possible negative outcome. We might get pissed off. We might argue. We might fight. We may stop being coworkers or friends. They may fire me, whatever it may be. I kept my mouth shut. You know, that, that was the, the, predict- the predictable side. 
That's the, the mm-hmm. side of like wanting to, to make sure things go. Okay. So yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's, it's been um, a very rich part of my, my past. And it's definitely a, um, um, how you say, like, I even say like, like a third, you know, like a third, like, like weird arm that grows like at the side of my, my hip, you know, I don't know where that came from. I was trying to say something. <laughs> Yo, I, <laughs> bro, I love the, that element of like, so we sell out curiosity and creativity when we choose to people please or be the nice guy. And yo, I can totally relate to that. I think um, for so long I was um, committed to making people, other people feel comfortable being agreeable, being, Oh man, Phil is just, he's so chill. He's so cool. He's so like smooth, whatever, just like never, you know, nothing ever like knocks him off his center. Like I prided myself in so much that like, I would literally walk into a room and just pay attention to what everybody else is doing and figure out how I can be most agreeable, go with the flow sort of thing to the point where it's like, I was so disconnected from what made me happy. What was actual, like, who was I, what did I want was like the most existential question that there was. And, you know, curiosity and creativity were just totally thrown out the window. And, uh, yeah, it's been a process. And I guess I still have that third arm growing off my hip too, in the sense that there's a, (laughs) there's a reaction, um, or there's still a, I guess it's a deeply dug rut or groove that it's really easy for me to fall back into. And, um, I just really have to pay attention to asking myself the question, what do I want in this moment, as opposed to how can I make this person happy or feel good in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, I want to kind of put in a different, uh, not different context, but like another context. And that is, you know, that diplomatic role, that ability to keep the calm in a tense situation is very valuable, right? Like if we allowed every single person to be very emotional and to kind of get lost in everything that's happening it becomes very combative. It can be very, you know, toxic. It can be very destructive. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? However, I think if we're not aware of the role we're playing of the diplomat, for example, or because I, I want to separate that from the, the people, please. I think those are very two different things. The diplomat can can keep the 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 um you know, the momentum going forward, he can be able to keep, be able to pull in uh, an argument from both sides and find that happy medium without losing themselves. However, what most of us do, myself included, is I lost myself in that. I was being whoever I thought they needed to be to keep the peace rather than saying, hey, I hear that, I hear this, and I'm going to add my input into this. How can we, you know, take these, these three threads here to make a common thread So that way I still feel like they're knowing what my opinion is, right? So they still know where I stand. Most often than not, I didn't do that, especially when it came from a work environment. Again, I was very good at being able to to kind of bridge, be the bridge there. But in that bridge, like you said, I lost myself as well. I didn't know who the hell I was. I didn't really, what do I really think about this? Or I kept suppressing that so much. I never gave other people the opportunity to understand 
what I agreed with or what my thought process was, right? And so in that, it's not really a, 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 I'm not being authentic. People don't really authentically know who I am. They're agreeing with the version of me that I'm showing them because, you know, it, it's, it's nicer that way. And at the same time, we're not, I'm not helping to, to, to facilitate a more stronger outcome or a more creative outcome or a more uh, inclusive outcome, you know, but it's definitely that, that getting lost in, in that phase, you know, too, it, it's, there's a, there's a place for that too to you know to be diplomatic and there's also a place for that to not get lost in that yeah i i really like that by shedding the the nice guy or the people pleaser attitude uh doesn't mean that you're constantly looking for conflict and i think you you just described that so well um and i know for myself when when i was first diagnosed with being a people pleaser, at least made aware of it. The, the idea of not being that was like, yo, I don't want to be, I don't want to like constantly be in conflict, constantly be arguing, constantly being the, you know, the one that's like pointing out all the things. However, it doesn't, it like, it doesn't mean that you have to be that. It doesn't mean that the not being a people pleaser doesn't mean one who is constantly looking for conflict. I think it, you can still be one that's looking for um, how to thread the needles together, how to bring everyone together, uh, especially if that's a value of yours. And you're not doing that at the expense of your core personal values, your virtues, the things that make you, you, because once you start to sell that out, then it's like, who cares if you're getting along? You're just, you know, at the end of the day, when you go back home, you're going to be like, oh, I didn't say the thing about this. Oh, that person made me or someone else feel horrible. and I didn't stand up for it. Oh, they, um, you know, they stand for A, B and C. And that's totally not what I agree with. And I said, yes, anyway, like you got to live with that when you go home. And I have been there many a nights and that shit does not feel good. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. Especially, especially when you see the way things evolve, like um, develop and progress, you think, yeah, you know, what if I would have just added that element to it? What if I would add this other um, um, uh, different perspective? But I love the way things come full circle. And this, this to me now connects to what we we're saying in the beginning of this is what is authenticity? And we say, you know, a lot of particularly men struggle with authenticity is I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it 100. So I'm just going to say what I want to say. It's like, yeah, well, it's not always being a jackass. It's not always being, yeah. you know, like <laughs> the person's going to keep it real and, and just be a dick all the time. You're like, yeah, okay, it can be dickish, but you know, so it's, it's again, being able to allow two or more things to take a space at the same time. It's not always going to be 50, 50, 33, 33, 25, 25. Mm. It's going to take up different kinds of space, different percentages. And so just like being off the authentic, being authentic <laughs> and allowing for the joy and the bliss to come in, to let the hustle and drive come in, to let the love and relax come in. In the same way, being a people pleaser, it's cool. We can be diplomatic. We can be um, agreeable to keep it going forward and we can add our, our element to it as well. So I think it kind of goes back to, again, the beginning of it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be various things at one time, but sometimes it's a struggle. At least for me, it's still a struggle to allow those things to occupy, occupy the same place at the same time. Sounds like a Y cleft, like a like a fusion spirit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that time. is left <laughs> Yo, bro. Well, I can um yeah, the one other thing, and it's pretty much saying something similar, is that <clears throat> being authentic doesn't mean being right or doesn't mm. mean getting your way. Mm. And uh I, I have a really good example of this just the 
think like two days ago, my wife and I were, we were problem solving something and, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And she expressed what she wanted to do. And I really didn't want to do that. However, um, it wasn't about me getting my way. It was more expressing that I didn't want to do that. And then coming to the agreement that we were going to do what she wanted to do. And in the past, what I would have done is the people pleaser would have just said, yes, okay, fine, let's do that. I wouldn't have said anything. And then I would have been salty the rest of the day. You know, I would have been passive aggressive, just like saying different things here and there. Um, Where in this case, like the, the authentic wasn't getting my way. It was just saying, you know what? I don't really want to do that. And if that's really what you want to do, or, uh, you know, you see that being the best solution right now, I'm willing to do it. Let's do it. Um, Oh, it's just like that. That has been a huge shift for me in the sense that I don't have to always get my way and I can always express how I feel. Yeah, Senor, Senor Gomez, this is why I call you the GOAT, man, the greatest of all time. Like this is, uh, that's a power move. And, and again, being able to to laugh that, let that exist. Like you can share that, you know, I don't like that or I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that and still go along with it. Doesn't make you a sellout. It doesn't make you a people pleaser. It's just saying, hey, like I don't have to deal my, dig my heels in and say, because I don't want to do this, we're not going to do this. No, like, you know, especially in marriage, like there's things that have to be give and take, like express that so the person knows. Yeah, so let the person that you're still willing to go along with it for these reasons and then go along with it. Right. It's not this, again, this idea that I'm selling myself out or not being authentic. If I, if I, if I go along with it, like it's not, it's not going to be very, very practical, but I think that's, that's definitely, that's a huge, 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 huge takeaway and lesson for marriage life and just, just life in general, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, let's bring this thing up to a close, Brian. I'm, I'm really, really grateful for this conversation. So before we close out, just uh, any, you know, what's one or two or three sentences you would give to a man that's out there that's uh, that's really working on becoming uh, more authentic? Mm. <clears throat> man, love yourself uh, enough and be bold enough to to see what's possible for you. Yeah, you know, uh, just keep it simple. Love yourself enough and be bold enough to to be you. Bam! I love that. Simple, powerful, impactful. Um, right on. Well, lastly, let the people know how they can work with you, how they can be stay in contact with you, follow you, all that good stuff. If you got anything going on, share with the folks that are listening. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for that. Um, so the easiest space would uh, be going to the Instagram. Instagram handle is uh, Brian Christian Jenkins. That's Brian with an I. The only way to spell Brian, Brian Christian Jenkins uh, on Instagram. Um, actually, the website as well, BrianChristianJenkins.com. And as of now, what's going to come up in July is the uh, the next version of a program that I call uh, Naked Truth. And essentially what Naked Truth is, is actually getting down to the bare bones of us behind, behind uh, I'm sorry, outside of the, the distractions, outside of the clothes, besides outside of all these things that we think it makes us us. So it's getting down to the nakedness of us, you know, you don't have to get naked. Um, but what we do in this four week program is essentially is become very uh, aware of, of what uh, is true about ourselves, our body image. Uh, what we what uh, clue uh, cues we're taking um, from society, from from home, from from church, everywhere else that that tells us who we are. That's really not the true us. 
and getting down to the, to the bare bones. And so I'm excited about this one because this is definitely definitely new territory for me in, in regards of how this is going to, to unfold. Um, most of my programs have been very, uh, I say very, not practical, um, very linear. Do you know what I mean? This is going to be the, the, the steps we're going to follow and this is going to be the outcome. And there are steps that we're going to follow on a weekly basis, but it's definitely much more open for space. It's giving people the opportunity to really make up their own mind about who they are and explore that. And so we do have some exercises that we do and some practice that we do to help facilitate that, which some people will find uncomfortable. But again, on the other side of that discomfort is the true and authentic you. So that's the Naked Truth come up in July. Haven't laid, nailed down a date yet officially, but if you keep uh, you know, abreast to the, uh, the Instagram page, you'll see that date come up soon. Boom, Naked Truth, there you have it. That sounds amazing, Brian. Awesome, brother. Well, I'm really, really grateful for this conversation. It's always good to chop it up with you, bro. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in Spain sometime. I'm trying to visit you out there, bro. Look, don't don't be saying things that you're not that you're not gonna do. Don't toy with my emotions. If I don't see you and the whole Gomez clan here in the next year and a half, man, we have some problems, you know. All right, well, there you have it, y'all. Another fire conversation. Brian definitely dropped some gems in there. So hopefully something landed for you or there's something that you're taking with you that's going to help you live more authentically in your life. Be sure to check out the show notes to follow all the things that Brian is up to and stay in conversation with him. And if you're a man that's having difficulty defining what being authentic is to you, defining what your own truth is, definitely check out therisingman.org. There are more than a few programs that will help you redefine, rediscover what your truth is and really establish a vision that's worth fighting for day in, day out. This is Phil Gomez with Fam Life and until next time, stay up.